Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Uh, Well, good morning, and let me uh, add, my name is Tim. I uh, serve as the lead pastor here. We're really glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Um, One uh, item of note before I jump into our text for this morning. One of the things we're we're challenging y'all to, uh, especially leading into Easter, is to consider coming to services on a Sunday, worshiping one, doing what you're doing now, and serving one service as well. That we need lots of help in children's ministry and hospitality, greeting. Uh, one example of that, I've heard lots of feedback. Y'all ready to get rid of the, the Jesus cups, the communion cups we just did. I am too. But we actually need people to help us prepare, get ready, have communion in a different way. The cups require very little volunteer strength. And so, uh, so we need your help to, to serve. And service is not so much that we need something done But service is discipleship, right? That's how we grow in the way of Jesus. It's not just learning or taking in more information. I had a professor once tell me, I think Christians know already all we need to know. It's a matter of will we do what we already know. Um, And so I just want to challenge you to think about that in your discipleship to Jesus. Coming one service to worship like this and then serving. Children's ministry, hospitality. We have a number of ways. On Sunday morning specifically, we need lots of help. So, It's my challenge to you. You've heard a little bit about that. You'll be hearing more about that in the weeks to come. Um, But our text for this morning is John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And so I'm going to read our text, uh, pray for us, and then jump in. So hear now the word of the Lord. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay my life down that I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, would you open our hearts to prepare what you have for, for each one of us. We all need you to speak into our lives, for your spirit to reveal freshly what you you are calling us into, to follow Jesus more faithfully. I can't do that, but God, we open your word because we trust you will do that through your spirit to glorify Christ. Do it, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Probably one of his more famous words that he's spoken, but what does it mean? And more importantly, do we want him to be our shepherd? When I think good shepherd, I think of uh, this classic photo of Jesus holding a little sheep. 
But that should raise the question, are shepherds like that? Are sheep like that? The answer is no. Shepherds were very much the blue-collar work of that day. It was hard, difficult labor. Sheep do not cuddle in your arms like this. So what does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? This, this passage ultimately should be deeply offensive to you. Jesus, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I have sheep, that should have offended you and also filled you with incredible hope. Both offense and hope. That The question for this morning is, do you want a shepherd? Get rid of this image. We got to get that out of our minds. Do you want a shepherd? Because if you want a shepherd, it requires three confessions. And they're all hard to say. So do you want a shepherd? Three confessions. Uh, Let's go. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I have sheep, which would make you and I sheep and him the shepherd. And as I said, this should be offensive. That one of the most common sayings in our own culture is don't be a sheeple. Right? Don't go along with the crowd. Sheep are known as, as sort of dumb and will go along with whatever other people tell them. And if you know anything about sheep, sheep are not beings or animals that you would like to be to compared to. I'd be okay with being compared to a lion. A sheep, not so much. Sheep have no sense of direction. There was a story uh, recently from eastern Turkey where 1,500 sheep, while their shepherds were off eating lunch, 1,500 sheep all walked off a cliff following one another. 400 of the sheep died. Yes, why only 400 sheep died? Well, the, 400 she- the first 400, they died, and because sheep are very fluffy and soft, they broke the fall of the next 1,100, and the 1,100 survived. But that's how dumb sheep are. That's what Jesus is saying you are like. If someone in front of you walks off a cliff, you're going to walk right off a cliff with them. Sheep have no sense of direction. Sheep are vulnerable. They are terrified. If they get scared, they will just run for their life in any direction without any sense of what they're doing. Pastor Daryl has a great story about his encounter with a sheep like this. You should ask him about that. Sheep are vulnerable. Sheep cannot care for their own wounds. Because sheep are shaped so weirdly in their body, if they get hurt, they can't turn around and care for their own wounds like many animals. They need someone else to tend to their wounds. And lastly, sheep will settle for less. If a sheep comes up onto some dirty water and it's thirsty, it will just start drinking the dirty water, even if a fresh spring that they drunk from at other moments is available to them close by. It doesn't matter. They have no sense of delayed gratification. They'll just pull up to that dirty water and start lapping it up because they're nasty. This is what Jesus is saying you are spiritually. You have no sense of direction, you're vulnerable, you can't tend to your own wounds. And you will settle for less. Now, all of this hopefully has offended you at this point. If you're still not offended, I have a video that illustrates how bad sheep are. So watch. This is what you are spiritually, Jesus says. And if you're still not offended, Isaiah 53, 6, let's, 
Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned to our own way. We are sheep spiritually. And this is a hard confession to, to make. But to have a shepherd, you have to say, I'm a sheep. Vulnerable and lost. Confession one, spiritually, I am a sheep. Vulnerable and lost. Do you agree with that that is your spiritual condition? Cornelius Plantinga in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, talking about sin and how we are sheep, how we are broken spiritually, he writes this. The proposal that we ought to worship someone who is better than we are, that we ought to study this person's will and then bend our lives to it, that we ought to confess our failures and assigns life's blessings to him, To them, the notion that we ought to take this posture toward anybody else at all is humiliatingly undemocratic, an offense to human dignity and pride. To have a shepherd means I bend my will towards him. This is not a democracy where we both get a vote. He leads in how I and I follow. He speaks and I listen. He guides and I go. Spiritually, I am a sheep. And, and I'm, I'm betting many of us, at least who are Christians, are like, yes, that's true. I want to be led by Jesus. But let's put this on the ground for a minute. How well do you deal with someone when they are confronting you with your sheepness? Right? I, I love the idea that I need a shepherd in my own life to guide me and direct me away from drinking from dirty water and into green pastures. I agree with that in my mind. But then, listen, let's be, those of us who are married, the person who knows you best aside from Jesus is your spouse. How well do you do with your spouse when they lovingly confront something in your life? How often is it like, oh yeah, you're right. Or how often is it, well, can I tell you what you do? Actually, the thing that you're mad about me, you do far worse than I do. How do, you, how do you deal with loving confrontation from a brother or sister in Christ? How well do you do when one of your children calls out a fault in your life and you know they're right? How well when a teacher corrects you in class do you respond to confrontation Those are moments when actually God is trying to shepherd us through other people. And how many of us, when we get confronted, we're just exhausting people. We're defensive. We're dishonest. We ignore what's obviously true to all those around us. We're sheep and it's laid bare. Our sheepness is on the table. And we deny it with everything we have in us. And so I want to encourage you with this this morning, because this will happen probably this week for most of us. At some point this week, someone is going to confront you with something of your sheepness. And instead of immediately denying, immediately getting defensive, immediately get angry, I want you to remember this video. They're trying to get you out of the ditch. Don't jump right back in the ditch. Listen to what they're saying. Receive their, conf- their confrontation. Because when you say, I want a shepherd, what you're saying is, spiritually, I'm a sheep. I'm lost, vulnerable. I need correction in this life. I need guidance in this life. I don't have it all figured out. 
the person who's speaking this truth to you might be pulling you out of the ditch. So let them. Let them pull you out. of. Let them be the, the hands and feet of Jesus, dragging you out of the ditch to a better life. Do you want a shepherd? I mean, this is nice. Like, we all want to be held like a little lamb like Jesus. That's not what shepherds do. Shepherds do that. They drag sheep out of ditches. They prevent them from walking off cliffs. This is hard work. Do you want Jesus to do that work for you? Or do you want to be left to yourself, to your own devices? That's confession one. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't just say, I'm the good shepherd uh, and um, I I have um, um, sheep. He talks about sheep listen to their shepherd's voice. Now, uh, in America, we love to say, I follow my own voice. I don't listen to anyone else. Right? I follow my own heart. I, follow my, I listen to my own voice. And, and so that's a prominent view within our own culture. But do you know why we think that? Why that's so strongly an American value? Well, it's because about 400 years ago in Europe, the, the common thinking was you needed a God, you needed a community, you needed a religion to guide you towards truth. You need other people to tell you what to do. The worst thing you could do is say, I'm going to follow my own voice and do what I want to do because your voice is likely to lead you into trouble. So that was the going, and, and many cultures today, especially in, in uh, uh, Asian cultures, still believe this. You need community to direct you where to go. You should listen to the community more than your voice. It's not how we view it today in America. It's I'll listen to my own voice first. But the reason we think that is because 400 years ago, uh, Western European secular thinkers started saying, no, 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 no. Don't listen to the community first. Don't listen to a God first, a religion first. That will all hold you down in shackles. The way to be free is to listen to your own voice. Hence today, we all say, I follow my own voice. I will march to the beat of my own drummer. But the reason we think that is because we're listening to the voice of other people who have told us, follow your own voice. So even in our rugged individualism, I listen to my own voice first, that's actually being a sheeple of Western European culture who's telling you, just listen to your own voice. Put the community second. Put God or religion second. The reason we love that idea is because someone else gave it to us. And if that still doesn't do enough for you, uh, let me illustrate this by the movie uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Uh, the movie is uh, Meryl Streep acting as a fashion icon, and she's in, uh, working with her employees and debating between two women's belts that look exactly the same. And Anne Hathaway's character in the movie just can't believe that we're agonizing over these two belts that look, two belts that look exactly the same. And she, she, so she snickers, and Meryl Streep snaps back at her, and she says this. It's sort of comical how you think you made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room. That fashion is one of the areas we think, oh man, I dress the way I want to dress. And we don't. Someone decides what's in and out, what gets to the shelves and what doesn't. And we follow their own voice. Now you may be wondering, well Tim, you watched The Devil Wears Prada? And I just want to say, when it comes to what movies I watch, I follow my own voice. (laughs) That we listen to the voice of others. 
So the question is, whose voice are you listening to? Confession two is, I must listen to his voice and not mine. And I love what Jesus says or the way he talks about this. This is going back into the earlier part of the chapter I didn't read, verse 3. Jesus says, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Or in verse 14, we read, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Sheep, I've, I've kind of I've hated on them for a while. Um, but sheep have an incredible capacity to hear their shepherd's voice and respond. Here's a video that illustrates just this point. One more time. Again, we've hated on sheep, but that's pretty incredible. All you see their heads raised the moment their own shepherd starts speaking. They pop right up. Whose voice, when they start speaking, your head pops right up? Is it your favorite cable news host? Your favorite radio host? Is it your pod, the podcast you listen to? Your favorite Christian theologian? Or is it Jesus? Whose voice do you stop everything to and listen? And it raises the question, and, and, and honestly, for all of us who are Christians, but also if you're not a Christian, okay, so why should I, ha- why should I respond to Jesus like that? That's incredible trust. Why listen to the voice of Jesus like that? And there's a wonderful verse. I, I've, not, I've not caught this 
because I know I've, I've studied this text a number of times, but in verse 14, Jesus says something that, that's, that's really interesting. It's actually verses 14 and 15. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Jesus says, we know him or we can know him the same way that he knows the Father. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Christian God is a trinity. It's three persons, one God. And the way Christians have talked about this is is the trinity is a loving community. Father loves the Son, Son loves the Father. Out of that love, they send out the Spirit. But it's, it's not just one person, one God. It's three persons, one God. So in a sense, our vision of God is a, tr- is a community. It's a trinity. And Jesus is saying, in the same way he experiences loving uh, relationship with the Father, we can experience that same loving relationship with him. And think of it like this. When I, uh, when I was in high school, uh, or, or even before then, and I had to decide what instruments do I want to play, there was never any question in my mind. It was the drums. So I picked two very well-known instruments along with the drums, hoping I would get my first choice so I could be in the drums. Because in our school, you pick three, and depending on what you picked, you got selected into a certain instrument. Well, I, I gamed it. I, I ended up in the drums. And what I couldn't wait... Uh, to get into was to be in, in the drum line in high school. Now, some of you is like, you want to be on the basketball team. I want to be in the drum line. Because the drum line, they were cool. They were the funniest people in, uh, that were in music. They were the most fun to be around. And before every competition, every uh, marching band competition, they would mix this drink in this jug. I want to assure you this was legal. Everything, every substance in that jug was legal. I just want to be clear about that. But they mixed all this random liquid, and they would, we would all drink it out of the jug together, all 20, 25 of us, before the competition as a ritual of some kind. I don't know what it was, but it was amazing. And I wanted to be in that community. I wanted to be in the drum line. And when I finally got in the drum line, it was an amazing experience. I, it was one of my favorite parts of being in high school. And what Jesus is saying is the relationship he has within the Trinity, that community of love experience, he's inviting us as sheep into that community to experience Jesus the same way Jesus experienced the Father. It's an incredible invitation, an incredible offer to us. That Jesus is not asking for, for him to get into your heart. He's inviting you into his. That's the offer of salvation. And so Daryl Johnson, in his book, Experiencing the Trinity, he writes this. Here is the gospel. The, gosp- the God who, lo- who is love draws near to me, a sinful mere mortal, to draw me near to himself. In order to draw me within the circle of lover beloved and love itself. It's the very reason for my existence and for yours. That is, God expands the circle to include us mere mortals within the circle of knowing himself. So as I said, when when Jesus says you're a sheep, you should be offended. But when he says I'm the good shepherd, you should be incredibly filled with hope. Because he says, come into the community of love, the trinity itself. I want to draw you near to my own hearts. But the way you do that is you listen to his voice. So whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice do you perk up 
when it speaks. So confession one, I'm a sheep, vulnerable and lost. Confession two, I must listen to his voice, not my own. Finally, the last confession. Now Jesus, at the end of this passage, says, I lay my life down for the sheep. And we hear that and we're moved. Anyone who knows shepherds would be confused by this because shepherds typically don't die. And, and to die as a shepherd would be a bad move. Right? If you lost your life for one sheep, what about the rest? Right? The goal is to protect the flock, not to get yourself killed. So when Jesus talks about dying, this should be confusing to us. Shepherds don't die. So why does he die? Well, this is confession three. To, to want a shepherd, you have to confess, I need saved. You and I, we don't need help. We don't need advice. You don't need a leg up in life. You don't need a little bit more uh, help to get yourself. You are going to die unless the shepherd dies in your place. Period. You don't need help, advice, extra effort. You need saved. And Jesus, as the shepherd, dies in order to save you. Uh, before we uh, moved here, my wife and I, one thing we wanted to do was, was sort of have a debrief retreat after the last several years of ministry for us. We, we church planted, and anyone who's been involved in church planting knows it's, it's very intense, it's very hard. And so before we came here, uh, we just wanted to, to have a counselor kind of speak in and speak over our lives. And one of the things the counselor did was, was look through the last kind of five years of our lives, the, the highs and the lows. And there were some very low lows and some very high highs. And you just put it all on a whiteboard. And it was really interesting to, to see, like just my life on a whiteboard, my family's life on a whiteboard the last five, six years. And as we talked, he would, from time to time, he would add in, in blue moments where it's just clear like God intervened in unique ways. Where he protected us, he guided us, he led us one way instead of another. And then at the very end of the time, he just, he erased all of the life events and just left up the blue of God's guidance over our lives. And it was, I mean, both my wife and I, it was powerful. And what I took from that was, one, God's shepherding presence in my life, especially when I had no idea. And two, how much danger I was in and never knew it. How much protection there was for me and I never knew it. And it's just like, it devastates, listen, I, I'm someone who has a high degree of self-confidence in my own abilities and capacities. And seeing that just devastated that feeling in my life of I've got control of things. I'm smart enough. Give me enough time. I can figure it out. Give me enough time to have the efforts and I'll make it happen. That just got laid waste when I saw what was on that whiteboard. And I just recognized my own need for salvation. How close to the edge of cliff, the cliff I was on so many different occasions in my life. And Jesus, unbeknownst to me, guided me away. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life, but that is, should be your posture to Jesus. Apart from him, you are doomed. Your own wisdom cannot get you through this life. Your own capacity and abilities cannot get you through this life. You need a shepherd. You need saving. 
And the reality is that's, that's the heart of the Christian life is I need to be saved. But oftentimes what I experience in the church from many Christians, including myself, is no, I did it. I made it happen. And so they judge, they look down on others whose theology is not right, whose morality is not quite where it should be. They think themselves superior to other people and they pass judgment on others they would never want God to pass on themselves because they're not being shepherded. They can't say, forgive me, I was wrong. When other people confront them, they are defensive and angry because they don't want a shepherd. Much of my life, I don't want a shepherd because I think I have it figured out. But the confession of the sheep is, I need to be saved. So back to the tension. Why, why does Jesus say, as a shepherd, I have to die? Because, again, shepherds didn't die. This should create questions in our mind. And there's two reasons why the shepherd has to die. One is, I've already named, is we are in danger. All of us, from our own stupidity, from our own bad choices in life, but ultimately the thing we are all in danger of is death. And that's where Jesus goes at the end of this passage. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. He's going to die. And all of us, the greatest danger we face is death. We will die. You will die. And what do we do in the face of that? And we try everything we can to avoid that fact. It's why our medical industry is a guaranteed success until the end of time, because we will do everything we can to avoid dying, but you can't. You are in danger of death, and you will slide over that cliff at some point. And Jesus says, that's why I came, to lay my life down, that I may take it up again. And that's the second reason why this shepherd will die. See, most shepherds, if they die, it's over. This shepherd, he dies, and what does he say? Yes. Phil's going to finish my sermon for me. I can feel it. I'm going to take it up again. I have the authority to lay it down, and this is insane that he says this. And I have the authority to take it back up again. Anyone, you or me, say, listen, I'm going to die, but don't worry. I have the authority to raise myself back to life. That's a crazy person talking, unless, of course... They have that authority. And you and I would not be sitting here 2,000 years, hundreds of thousands of miles away from where all this was said. None of us would be sitting here listening to any of this if Jesus didn't have that authority. And something 2,000 years ago broke into our world, resurrection, life itself, and has spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Chesterton. He had the authority to lay his life down and take it back up again, which is why you should listen to his voice. What other voice has the authority to raise itself from death into life? Well, Jesus, his voice, that's it. And the good news of this passage is Jesus is saying here is he's going to keep calling out for his sheep until they respond. So whether you're a Christian this morning and you've been, you've been responding to that voice your entire life or you're not a Christian yet, I want you to know Jesus is speaking out for you to respond to his voice. He wants you to receive. He's the good shepherd. He lays his life down for the sheep. He's come to save sinners and broken people. Listen to his voice. It can call you out of the grave. One of the roses um, in the vase behind me is 
is representative of a story of someone for whom many people in this church prayed for decades to no response until they reached the end of their earthly life. And finally, somehow, the shepherd's voice was heard and responded to. The good news of this passage is we have a good shepherd whose voice will never stop calling out to you, whether you're responding or not. And when you finally respond, you'll follow his lead regardless of your brokenness, sin, or whatever is wrong with you. He's the good shepherd. He never gives up on anyone. He will never give up on you, and he has never given up on me. And so... The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in grieves pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Jesus, our good shepherd, we want to hear your voice. My voice is not your voice. I hope my voice has led led credibility and truthfulness to your voice. But Jesus, we open this space, we sing, we preach, we pray, pleading with you to raise your voice that we would listen, respond, and follow wherever you lead. For every person in this room, God, do that, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.